USA. Maybe it ain't going to end with us, but... As you'd expect from a Penn State podcast such as this one, the Lions 24-7 Penn State podcast with Andrew Callahan and Sean Fitz here entering episode number 15. The conversation is uh, pretty dominated by the Nittany Lions, but today we are going to start with some personal news. Beginning in two weeks on August 28th as the lead up to Akron week, we are going twice weekly. It's going to be fun. How about that? So we will have podcasts out on Mondays and Fridays to you to enjoy uh, running all the way through the early parts of December and perhaps even again till January, depending on how things shake out this postseason. Of course, expectations are high, so we figured we'd bring you as much content as we can. Uh, we hope you'd enjoy the podcast to date, but this is something we're looking forward to, putting in new segments for the season. We'll keep the same recruiting updates, talk, banter, etc. that you've come to expect from us through 15 episodes. Uh, and today, it'll be much more the same. We're going to hit recruiting right off the bat, talk about Aeneas Hawkins' commitment, the space left, and who Penn State's targets are, early look at 2019 prospects, then we'll get into camp. You know, it's been more than two weeks into camp, some freshmen standing out, some other players who are non-starters that are standing out, and where other people stand in terms of position battles, and then dive into Akron a little bit. As I mentioned, you know, that is coming up, I think, sooner than any of us expected, as much as we've been waiting for football Less for months three and months. Less than three weeks, yeah. And then uh, even a little bit of pits. We'll do a preview of Penn State's first two opponents next week. We'll get into Georgia State and Iowa. Just check in and see how their training camps are going uh, and a little bit more. But uh, before we get to any of that, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, It's great when Penn State's doing great with recruiting because that means my life is a lot easier. (laughs) Got even more easy last week. Aeneas Hawkins finally came out. Uh, We talked about it on the podcast last week. This is one we've been waiting for for actually a couple of weeks now, um, pretty much since the Lash Bash. And uh, another pickup for Penn State on the defensive line, Sean Spencer, another piece of clay to work with, Uh, another NFL legacy on that defensive line, joining Judge Culpepper. Uh, Hawkins comes in 6'2.5", 6'3", 265 pounds. He's going to be a three-technique tackle for Penn State. Um, He's he's a defensive end in high school, athletic kid, uh, high-motor kid. Still a lot to work with, or excuse me, a lot to work on in terms of strength and, and getting up. And we'll, we'll see where he ends up uh, in a year or two from now. I think he's a, a redshirt guy in the long run. But another big pickup for Penn State on the defensive line. Now four commitments on the D-line, 23 in total. And uh, I tell you what, space is pretty much gone. I mean, there's there's not going to be much uh, movement on the 2018 class here going uh, going forward. You still got spots. Uh, Rashid Walker, offensive tackle, obviously a huge priority throughout the uh, process so far for Penn State in the 2018 cycle. Uh, Rashid Walker is a guy that they, they've been watching closely. They re- would really love to get him in before the season, though. Uh, I don't think he's set on making a decision anytime soon. And of course, that talented trio of defensive ends slash yeah. defensive linemen, Jason Owe, Micah Parsons, Tyreek Smith. Nothing really new on those guys, but you know, it's, it's Penn State, Ohio State for pretty much all three of those guys. So um, you, you're trying to battle the Buckeyes. Obviously not something that's easy to do because they're putting together a, a, another unworldly class right. out in Columbus. Um, but yeah, you've got you've got an opportunity to to sort of throw some muscle around the Big Ten, see what you can do. Um, there's a possibility that all three end up in Columbus. You'd like to snipe one or two of them. Uh, you know, it's just uh, 
kind of a still a look at where the program is. I mean, Penn State uh, is is getting back. Um, I, you know, I talked to a couple of people. They don't believe Penn State's back yet in terms of uh, where they need to be as a program when you compare yourself to an Ohio State or an Alabama. There's still work to be done on on the off the fields uh, side of things. But Penn State getting there and winning a couple of these battles, while it's not going to do anything in the in the public perception of things, it's still going to really help them get where they need to be on the field. And yep. and when you got guys like Owe, who's just a, a physical freak, who's still raw, but he's He's a pretty incredible athlete. Parsons, a, a great football player, great athlete, uh, a guy that's a, a national name, five-star kid. And, and Tyreek Smith is a guy that Penn State was on very early, um, pretty much before anybody else in the Big Ten. They had him camp out at Bowling Green last uh, summer, got a great relationship with him. Uh, of course, all three head-to-head with Ohio State. It's going to be going to be fun to see how this plays out. So I think it's it, it's going to be something that James Franklin is going to have to deal with. Uh, you know, uh, Recruiting against Urban Meyer, never easy, no. but at the same time, it's a great opportunity for them. Lots to unpack there, uh, and I want to go back to the first part about Hawkins because he, uh, you know, had a video out there that I was able to get a hold of, take a look at, and break down a little bit. And I think the first comment you made was just more clay for Sean Spencer, Penn State's defensive line coach, uh, to work with. And I think that's a great phrase, even though it might just be something you'd attach to any incoming freshman who obviously you need to develop. Because Hawkins right now is a tweener, you know, at six foot two, he's got some more natural leverage working at defensive end, where facing offensive tackles who might be more in that six five to six six range is is easier to him. He'll slide on the inside. I think he's going to be a, a three technique for Penn State. Good quickness. Really like his hand usage, which is a little bit more advanced from what you'd expect um, from players you know, at his stage of development. And I, and I made this remark in the last line of my uh, breakdown of Hawkins game, which of course you can find in the site. I think his first two years and how he develops and where he's he slotted will be among the more intriguing developments to watch for anyone in this class. Yeah, and, and they'll be okay at defensive tackle. They've had their struggles, no doubt. But I think that you've got time to develop these guys now. Now, especially when you've got uh, younger guys like Windsor and then uh, Ellis and Jordan, you, you know, you, if you're going to get some of those guys a, as redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore contributing, then you've got some time to develop the Corey Bolds, uh, the Fred Hansards, mm-hmm. who you know could could do with a redshirt year. So, I think he'll get a redshirt year. Um, you know, yes. I look at him as a player. I think he's a better version of Antoine White, who, of course, transferred to Albany in the in the offseason. He's got about the same size. That they have that same profile as as you know bigger defensive ends who eventually grow into defensive tackles. And I think Hawkins is better. And of course, he's got the bloodlines to to tell him. Comes from a phenomenal football family, and you know knows how to work and knows how to play the game. And if you can play with a high motor, you can play for Sean Spencer. So you know I think he's a guy that that fits in this class pretty well. Then moving on to the potential targets, talked about Rasheed Walker, long been a high priority for Penn State and the three defensive ends. We don't have to break them down individually, but I'm curious, you know, from where things stand now, there's nothing new. In terms of a decision, who might first announce where they're going to commit, whether it's to Penn State or it's not, who would you expect to hear from soonest, even if that's just a barely a gut feeling? I would say probably Tyreek Smith. Um, OA has said that he wants to announce at the Under Armour game. Parsons is probably a guy that announces that he's selected for the Army game right now. So um, I think that if you're looking at a potential decision, which I don't think any of these guys are deciding specifically soon, right? but Tyreek Smith is a guy that's never been held down to a, a timeline or anything like that. I think he's a little bit more low key. And uh, like I said, it's I think it's Penn State, Ohio State. He probably wants to check out some other schools. He's originally from California. So he's not the he's not the typical Ohio guy that's right. going to be a Buckeye all the way. A guy like, uh, you know, Cade Stover in the next class who visited Penn State for the Lash Bash. He's going to Ohio State. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Sure, and there's sure. a lot of those kids from Ohio. Um, Tyreek Smith, not one of those guys. And I think that's a, that's one of the ins that Penn State had originally. So 
So I think he's probably the guy. I think he's a you know going to start out as a defensive end, can be a defensive tackle. So you've got a little bit of flexibility there. Uh, whereas the other two guys are ends, and Parsons could even be a linebacker. He's so athletic. So um, yeah, I think you get a little bit of difference uh, in uh, opinion on each of those guys, but they're all I think elite defensive line prospects. And if Penn State's going to take another defensive lineman, I think it's got to be an elite guy. It's got to be one of these guys. Sure. And lastly, the comment you know speaking with people inside the building about Penn State's not back there uh, just quite yet off the field stuff obviously that comes from sustained success whether you're talking about in Alabama or Ohio State and part of that means also recruiting uh going into the future right now Penn State with the top five class in this cycle looking ahead to 2019 if we're able to sustain that success not only in recruiting it on the field I think everyone expects a good you know on-field product this season from Penn State 2019 early look at some of those guys is Penn State off to a hotter start now that you know they've been able to almost sew up their class for 2018 well they're gonna have to move on there uh, soon, very soon. I mean, they don't have a commitment in the 2019 class, but I think they've set the table pretty well in terms of guys that they have relationships with. You saw that in 2018 with guys like Ricky Slade, where you know they got him on campus yes. as freshman and sophomore, and then and you uh, pile it along and and. You know, you got these guys uh, repeatedly on campus. I look at a kid like Nyquee Hawkins, who's a cornerback, a four-star, high four-star kid out of Jersey. I mean, he's been on campus for camp since he was a freshman. These prospect camps, not the overnight camps or whatnot. He's been out prospect since he was a freshman. Uh, He was at the uh, Lash Bash as well. He camped for them in Jersey last year. He's been a high priority since he was a freshman. And I think that's something that this staff does well is they identify these kids uh, very early in the process. I mean, I, I heard about Hawkins as a freshman. And I looked at him and, you know, it doesn't look like anything special, but he's really come into his own as a prospect, as a player, as a guy that could, could be a top 100 kid eventually. Um, so they've done a phenomenal do- job identifying these kids, establishing the relationship with these guys, getting them onto campus, and then eventually turning them into commitments as we saw in the twenty uh, the 2018 class. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the 2019 class, I think that the potential's there. Pennsylvania down uh, right. down next year. I, we've talked about this several times. So you're going to have to hit Jersey. You're going to have to hit Maryland, Virginia, places around here. Um, you know, Penn State. If you look at the crystal ball right now, there's a bunch of picks in for Penn State. Um, you know, I'm not on board with all of them, but uh, you know, you're looking at a pretty good crop of kids here. Uh, Antonio Alfano, a five-star kid from Jersey. Uh, the news on him recently: he's no longer at Bergen Catholic, transferred back home to Rahway. Um, you know, so it, that I think that's something to watch there. You know, anytime there's an off the field transfer or something like that, there's something to watch. But he's been on campus for Penn State several times. He was at that Jersey camp that Hawkins was at last year. So um, this is a guy that they they forged a relationship with early. If he continues to grow as a player, I think the sky's the limit. Um, you know, he's got to keep his head on straight at Rahway, but he can be an elite defensive tackle. He's already a five star guy on the twenty four seven composite. Mm-hmm. I put in a crystal ball pick for Brandon Smith, who I'm kind of surprised to see is, is the third highest ranked kid. Um, in the 2019 class that that there is a crystal ball at. I'm, I'm looking at Penn State's 2019 crystal ball picks right now just in front of me if, if, if you're wondering when I'm referencing. But he was on campus a few times. He was just, uh, just in for the lash bash, just in for camp, uh, linebacker DN type kid. And he's still growing every time I see him. So, yeah, 6'3", 210 right now. Yeah, and that's going to keep going up. I mean, he's going to be a 6'4", 6'4 and a half. I think he's a defensive end in the long run. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you've got guys like that. Um, Alfano has been on campus several times. Shane Lee. 
uh, linebacker from D.C., who there's one pick in, but I'm not on board with that just quite yet. Uh, middle linebacker from D.C., I guess he's playing at St. Francis in Baltimore now. Um, you know, he's an elite prospect. Hawkins, DeMarco Hellams, who, who, who's a four-star receiver that they're recruiting as a safety. Um, you know, he's been on campus several times. I'm not sure if I have his pick in yet, but I like Penn State there. Uh, Joseph Wete and uh, Dean Ingram from Gonzaga and mm-hmm. D.C. Uh, obviously, we know Dean Ingram's connections to Penn State, so there's a pretty obvious one right there. But Wete, his teammate, uh, just blew up this spring as well. And Caden Wallace, who I think I've, I've mentioned as a potential commit a, a couple times. I mean, this is a guy that's huge. I mean, he's, he's 6'5", 315, going to be a junior in high school. Um, you know, Penn State uh, loves him as a guard, can be a tackle as well if he keeps growing. And, you know, I don't think there's any doubt that Penn State's his top school right now and and get down to uh jordan houston uh mm-hmm. running back from virginia who who another guy that they identified as a freshman penn state was his only offer for about a year i mean <laughs> i mean that that that's how far ahead they were in, in identifying him because he came to camp he ran a couple four fours got hurt last year came back to camp in july and, and had a phenomenal camp so penn state looking to take a couple of running backs in the 2019 class so it'll be interesting to see um where he fits in um, among guys like devin ford in, in virginia and some other guys so um and then you moved on to camp this year i put in a couple of crystal balls for keaton ellis out of state college right. it's going to be tough for penn state to lose a state a state high kid and, and i don't think they have since nate stupar's older brother and i think he's my age so uh, he's old <laughs> according to so andrew so you want to reveal that age yeah. quite yet uh taquan rob uh, taquan roberson camped a couple times for penn state this summer and i think uh you know if, if they do take two quarterbacks which they talked about in pretty much every cycle um so far um, he, he'd be an, an interesting guy to go after as a, as a second or first or second quarterback as an athlete. He's, he's a pretty good player in, in high school. And John Mechie, a Canadian kid who plays down in, uh, in, in Maryland, just got an offer and loves Penn State. And Jesse Lukita is not going to let him go anywhere else. So, sure. so I think Penn State setting the table well for 2019. Obviously, they don't have a commitment right now, but at the same time, yeah, I don't think you need one. Um, some schools have loaded up early. Uh, I think they'll get on the board here uh, probably in September, October, something like that as as the wheels begin to turn on the season. So I think they're in a good spot right now. Uh, could be could be in a better spot, no doubt, but I, I think they're in a pretty good spot right now. So I'd love to give you a breather after all of that, but I know there's one more kid who's coming up who's, who's caught your attention, camped a couple of times at Penn State, uh, quarterback out of Charlotte. Yeah, Garrett Schrader camped twice for Penn State this year. He earned an offer his first camp, and actually camped side by side with uh, Taquan Roberson, who got an offer at the second the second time he was up. Um, yeah, I think the the world of this kid. I think he's going to be a top fifty kid. I think he's going to be a top uh, five or six quarterback overall. Army game, uh, Under Armour game, something like that. Uh, the kid's got it all. He's six four, six four and a half, nearly two hundred pounds. He ran a four five. I mean, that's that's moving for a kid that's that 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 size. Got a great arm. I think he threw um, twenty seven touchdowns to five interceptions or something last year. I think he's going to go and take the, the the Justin Fields trajectory where he's uh you know out of I think he's I think we just ranked him as a four star this week at twenty four seven Sports. I think he's going to just keep climbing, keep climbing, keep climbing. And if he puts together the season that I think he can have playing for a, ta- a talented Charlotte Christian squad that also mm-hmm. has Jeremiah Gray, who, who Penn State has offered as well. Yep. I think that uh, I think the world of this kid, I think he's going to be a, a heck of a prospect. He went to Alabama, earn an offer. He went to Tennessee, earn an offer. Everywhere he camped this year, he earned an offer, including Penn State. And for him to camp twice in a summer, 
I think that's a very good sign, especially coming up from Charlotte. So Garrett Trader, definitely a name to know and keep in mind in the years to come. A guy who you'll surely see shoot up the rankings uh, sooner rather than later. Now, moving on to more camp-related news. Not a whole lot coming out. Penn State, of course, we get a glimpse every Wednesday, a couple of minutes of practice, a couple of interviews that followed thereafter. So, you know, not not a great glimpse, but, you know, in speaking some more behind the scenes, hearing a lot of themes repeat themselves from the spring, even from the first week of camp, specifically about that cornerback group. They're really happy with Christian Campbell, who's finally healthy and shape. Tariq Castrofield has added a lot of positive functional weight since he arrived on camp. Uh, like I, I think I mentioned last week, you know, seeing him in person just walk by a lot thicker than I anticipated for a guy who came in about 170. And Lamont Wade, you know, always in the mix there at nickel. We've talked to Grant Haley multiple times who says he's getting reps in there. But I think ideally, you know, if you have a player, even as a freshman, who can demonstrate that, you know, he can handle a particular role that's going to be as critical as nickel and, and is a unique position relative to the outside cornerback spots and allow him to hone in on that role. I think you have to let him, and it sounds like that's where things are trending. Yeah, we were at practice last week, and they were clearly getting Lamont ready to to play some nickel in games. You know, you're going to throw a lot at him because he was on with the first defense, the second defense, and, and you know he wasn't he wasn't playing out on the boundary or anything like that, or or, or on the outside positions. So I think they're going to throw a lot at him. I think he can handle it. He's a very talented kid, and and, and you mentioned before, I don't know if you tried to or not, but repeating themes. Um, and in camp, the the way Penn State goes, I mean they they shut things down. I mean it's very different covering this team than it was four years ago, no doubt about it. Um, but you catch these repeating themes, and I think. Uh, one of the ones is, is Castro Fields and Wade uh, are very good players for freshmen. I mean, they're they're going to be players for a long time here at Penn State, and uh, I'm excited to see what they can do. Um, Castro Fields already pushing for those second team reps. Lamont Wade, of course, has been here since January and, and has done that already. So really excited to see these guys. They've got teammates talking about them. They've got coaches talking about them. You don't want to put too much expectation on these guys too no, early, no. but at the same time, uh, they're they're going to be players here. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Right, and you know, even a couple of weeks ago, we saw a particular drill, you know, running over the defense as it convert to special teams, and and then instantly, as the clock is winding down, get ready for a field goal block or various different formations. We saw how important that was, you know, just a year ago against Ohio State, because that was the first team defense out there. When Marcus Allen gets the block, Rand Haley runs it back. The second team corners out there were Wade and, and Castro Fields. You no, know, you're not going to glean a whole lot, you know, from one rep one drill but obviously there if they're in the mix there's an opportunity for them to seize and at that point it's up for them uh to do so but that the depth you know i think from probably three to six is really really tight um you know we talk about the loss of john reed which is obviously a significant one but when you dip into that range i feel like they have a number of bodies they're confident to be able to go to maybe not as starters but certainly in that, that backup second team role yeah and they played a lot of corners last year i mean jordan smith was the fifth corner yeah. and you wrote a feature on him but jordan smith was the fifth corner and uh, he he played plenty last season. So you've got Amani Oriware, you've got Castro Fields, you've got Wade, you've got Zach McPherson, and of course they got a, a couple young guys behind him as well with uh, DJ Brown, Donovan Johnson, um, TJ Johnson, who had the big uh, blue white game. So uh, I think uh, I think Penn State's okay at corner right now. Yep. Trying to pull up my uh, stat counts spreadsheet here from a year ago because you mentioned how much Jordan Smith played and I have a number in mind but I'm not exactly sure what that was we'll get back to that a little bit later uh, but always good information to have here because when you're trying to project roles and how big of an impact I mean a few years ago you're talking about nickel cornerback as you were a true backup right now in that role as Christian Campbell was as a third corner he played almost 50% of the snaps so that's not something and uh, yeah and that's the way defenses are going right now I mean you, right. you got these spread attacks where you've got to get your most athletic guys out there and granted you've got an athletic guy in Koa Farmer playing the Sam who 
who's a former safety as well. But still, at the same time, you want cover guys on those guys. You want the guys that can hang with slot receivers. And Wade's a guy like that. Haley's a guy like that. So you know, some of these smaller, shiftier guys can can switch in there, and you can get ridiculous amounts of reps from these guys, even if you're not trying to go. So I think it's just the way that that offenses are going in the college game these days. And, and Penn State has reflected that. They've put in their star package. They put in their nickel package and things like that. And it's and it's really benefited them. Jordan Smith uh, playing about 18% of all snaps last year as the fifth corners. You know, injuries played a factor in there, but his ability to make impact on games uh, also did as well. Yeah, and if you told me he was playing 18% uh, of snaps <laughs> going into the season last year, I would have told you they were in trouble, but he handled himself well. I think Terry Smith's done a very good job with that group, and, and I think he's a, a proof of that. Now, you mentioned Cole Farmer. Um, I have quickly graced myself with the title of the conductor of his hype train, and that is something I will be leading into you know, week one proudly and beyond. Leading, yeah, yes. pr- proudly. Uh, I think he's going to have a big impact. I've stated that multiple times here in the podcast. Got a chance to catch up with him at Media Day. I had a Q&A recently go up on the website. And it's all for the reasons that we've mentioned. You know, he, he's a guy who has the tools to fill that role expertly you know at 235 240 pounds maintains that 4445 speed and has really come into his own uh now cushioning that also is the fact that we've had confirmation that he's having a very good camp yeah repeated themes once again Mm -hmm. uh, Koa farmer is a guy that's that can step in and make plays um i i don't know if he's going to be a turnover machine which we talked about last week as as uh taking the opportunities to force the turnovers but yeah he can rush the passer he can get out in space he can get his hand on the football um you know he's got that offensive background as well so you know, you'd like to see him get his hands uh, you know, on a pick or so this year and see what he can do with it. But yeah, I think uh, Koa Farmer, in terms of defense, I think he's probably been mentioned as as much as, if not more, than anybody else on defense to, to me, and I think that says something. And he'll blitz a lot from that same position coming from the field and some of their, their base pressures that they like to use. Uh, we talked a lot about defense, but there are a couple offensive players, too, that are, that are shining so far in camp. Yeah, exceeding expectations is something we wrote about on Monday. Uh, guys uh, who have stepped up that maybe you know you forgot about or, you know, you weren't expecting a whole lot from Brandon Polk uh, played the first three games last season, but at the same time uh, got hurt. He got the red shirt year back. He's healthy now. And I think that's, that, that that's really the biggest difference with him. Um, he's made some plays in the preseason. He's behind Deshaun Hamilton, who everybody says is having a great camp. Uh, but Polk's been able to to s- sort of solidify himself as the backup slot guy. A um, little bit more physical off the release. I think he's added some 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 size. Um, but yeah, he's still that fast kid. Uh, I just I, Brandon Polk. You sort of felt bad for him because he was a gimmick guy, no doubt. He was a jet sweep yes. guy. Uh, you weren't doing too much with him as a receiver. Uh, it was sort of like how they used Davon Smith back in the day, uh, where he's just a straight speed guy, which you know uh, I I think is true with Davon. But when you look at Brandon Polk, he's he's a little bit more than that. He played some uh, extremely played, quick. Yeah, he's he's quick and fast, which obviously mm-hmm. is is something that is good of, as a football uh, player. ideal yeah. combination. He's yeah. still, stealing Nate Bauer material there. He's, he's <laughs> good at football. He's a- we got to have Nate on, but no, uh, yeah, it's um, I I think Brandon Polk can have an impact on this offense. I think he's exceeded the expectations that were set for him so far because you've got KJ Hamler behind him, who's a, a phenomenal slot receiver mm-hmm. prospect. But I think Polk can uh, carve out that niche as the number two guy because when when Gaddis has his, his his depth chart, he's got his num- three number ones and three number twos, and he can he's sub all or, or a couple at a time. I think Polk will, will work his way into that rotation, get his hand on the ball, and, and and do some things. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Still don't see a, a ton of him coming with with Deshaun Hamilton and the way that they've been talking him up. But uh, still, I think Brandon Polk has potential to to not be a forgotten man. And, and if you look at where he was at, uh, you know, six months ago, 
nine months ago or whatnot. I think that was a real potential right there. And I think it's important to temper expectations, not only because of you know the, the players he has ahead of him on the depth chart, but if we're looking at Polk from a statistical perspective, again, a guy who was used in a more of a gimmick fashion, he still only has eight career receptions and 18 career rushes. So yeah. the, the, the tools are there, certainly, and now with some functional weight on another year in the system, that it's a benefit for him. It's certainly not a player you're relying on. might be a, a nice... Uh, player you could have as an impact perhaps on special teams or perhaps if Hamilton were to go down but someone who I, I would temper the ex- excitement because I think the best is certainly yet to come for him you know perhaps even next season uh, but having him simply as an option where that wasn't the case a year ago is a bonus but not something that you would really consider when you're you know looking at the entire scope of this offense yeah and I think that's Dex and that's something to be said for the entire wide receiver group I mean you've got a ton sure. of talent um, even if you don't have the production coming back you've got a ton of talent but at the same time um, you know the guys that are going to get the snaps. Juwan Johnson's going to be the X. Deshaun Hamilton's going to be in the slot. Um, I guess you could say, you know, the, the, there's a battle between Tompkins and Blacknell at, at the Z, uh, but those guys have both done it at times. Not consistently, but they've done it at times. So you, you know what you're getting in the front line. You're going to position yourself if you're Brandon Polk, if you're Irv Charles, who recently moved to the X. If, uh, you know, if, if you're a young guy like Dalen Darian, who's not playing to play this year but he can position himself for 2018 so I, I, I'm excited to see where that group goes I think it's a phenomenally talented uh, wide receiver room um, but a guy like Polk can carve out a niche this year and take it to the next level next year I think that's what you're looking at right here so as much as you hear us gas bag you're about Penn State inevitably there's a level of credibility that we can only inch up towards and, and increase uh, just being I think simply as media it's a fair statement when it comes from an anonymous opposing coach there however I think there's a level of trust that gets added to you know whatever comments are made provided they're not crazy and there were some comments made about Penn State and Sports Illustrated's preseason top 25 poll which they released an accompanying comment or analysis on each team Penn State came in at number eight and the analysis they had there from an opposing coach I think had a lot of elements and comments that you would expect but there were some really noticeable um you know, mentions of certain players that I think stood out. And I think we're going to run through this down quickly in terms of the overall takeaways. So starting with the offense first, this is what an anonymous opposing coach had to say about Penn State. Uh, and here are a lot of things you would expect. Quote, Saquon Barkley is the best back I've seen in years. He has great vision, speed, and balance. He is so explosive and so great with that jump cut. You know, dot, dot, dot. I love the quarterback. He doesn't look like much in warmups, but he's a winner. He's excellent at keeping plays alive. The tight end pops on film. He's so athletic and you don't have many answers for him. They're not great on the old line, but that back makes them look better. And they're well coached. Bringing Joe Marrowhead on as the coordinator was the best move James Franklin made. They don't do a lot formationally, but they're dangerous because they run their system so well and they can expose you on the perimeter. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I, I think he hit it on the head. I think that offensive line might be a little bit better than than he's seen. So um, be interested to see how that goes. But yeah, it's tough to argue with that. I, I I'm, I'm nice. It, it's nice of him to to note that Saquon Barkley's a beast. I don't know that many people have have, have taken note of that. <laughs> yeah, honestly, the dot 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 was just more you know compliments just lathered on top there. So I figured we'd skip that because we all know about his jump cut. Uh, putting his shoulder down, he's bigger than you think. He's up to two thirty. Says he's still clocking in four fours. I believe him, too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, The thing that popped out to me about this, and again, there's not a whole lot. It's more on the defensive side, which we'll get to in a minute, is is, is Trace McSorley. You know, we hear 
you know, he's a winner, you know, gritty, does a lot for the teammates, very good at extending plays. I think this almost undersells him a little bit in just his role within Penn State's offense, which we heard, you know, Joe Moorhead go on a little bit at media day in kind of defense of his quarterback and of the system. You know, he he, he doesn't, you know, necessarily wow you, as we always say, with arm talent. But, you know, I, I think in the overall job that he does you know I think he deserves a little bit more credit because it simply doesn't come from from hard work you know there's or or attitude it's really just the combination of all the things that he brings to the table which is a rare combination how effective he could be and we forget last year was his first year as a starter and in an entirely new system that that fit his talents better than the previous one under John Donovan much better Um, but it's just he's an excellent player and I think by by it you know, ascribing his successes to the fact that, oh, he's, quote, a winner and this just kind of abstract idea of, you know, winning happens around him or that he extends plays, which means they're not there to be made because he's he can't make them initially on whatever read, I think almost does him a disservice. He, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. We saw that last year, and there's no reason to expect he won't be even better in 2017. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we want to pigeonhole him in as a great college quarterback or a scrappy gym rat or whatever cliches you want to throw out there. But yeah, when he started making those decisions, when when that all slowed down for him in the middle of the season last year, Penn State was a different team. And and that's not because he's a winner. That's not because everybody rallies around him. That's because he made the right decisions. He got the ball where it needed to be. And and, and of course, you've got talented guys at the other end making those plays. So yeah, I think I, I think we do sell him short. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what he can do this year. I don't know that he's uh, in line to take a step back. Uh, and, and it's funny because when we talk about quarterbacks, we talk so much about Tommy Stevens as well, who yeah. is 6'4", who is 225, uh, just as fast, if not faster than McSorley. But yeah, I mean, Penn State's got two great quarterbacks, no doubt. But I think we sort of downplay what we see out of Trace McSorley just uh, based off of what a quarterback is supposed to look like. Right. And you forget he's a darn good football player. And I'm not here to say that, you know, he's much bigger or taller than the six foot and whatever, you know, weight he's listed at. He's, he's not. not. Like he's, <laughs> no, he's not. I can't wait to see if he does get invited to the combine, which I do, whether the over under will be at six foot even like a, like a Drew Brees when, you know, yeah. if he puts his hair up like right. know, Bart Simpson. And, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Of course, now that it reminds me that a year ago when we had one of those media scrums, remember the rat tail fiasco where there was a picture that went out and just behind it, I think it was a ponytail that caught behind him and it looked like it was connected to his hair? He should do a rat tail. That would be great. He honestly kind of pulled it off, which is why I didn't say anything about the photo in the first place. It was more that I was embarrassed. I didn't notice it. Of course, it wasn't real, but uh, you know, between the Bart Simpson haircut you just alluded to and the rat tail, I would never suggest a rat tail for anybody, but oddly enough, you know... As you said, he, he might be able to do it. He, he wins another Big Ten title. He can do whatever the hell he wants. I mean, <laughs> I think he'll be okay in this town. Very true. It almost might be fun to kind of push the limits of that uh, haircut or otherwise in case they do get back to the Big Ten championship. Uh, but moving on, as I said, uh, to the defensive part, which was more interesting to me. Again, this is from Sports Illustrated. It's preseason top 25 poll. Anonymous coaches analyze each team uh, in said poll. And this is what one coach had to say about Penn State. For the defense, quote, they won't wow you with their talent in their front seven, but they're aggressive and defensive coordinator Brent Pry will come after you. Curtis Cothran could play for anyone. He moves well for an inside guy. They were banged up at linebacker and it showed, but I like Kabinda. He jumps out. Christian Campbell has impressed us. He's a long corner who can run and tackle. So here's where the players that I mentioned that were selected by the anonymous coach stood out. Campbell comes in at the very end. We've heard about him. A lot over the offseason. He's healthy. He's got the tools, 6-1, speed, tackle, etc. You know, I mentioned he played just about under 50% of the snaps last year. So if he's impressing people outside of Penn State's room, which Penn State 
you know, is, is going to be more likely to laud their own players and, and prop them up. You know, I think that speaks to the impact that he could have this year beyond what we've been told to expect, yeah. which, which is a positive sign. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, and the thing that we go to, and we go to a lot of cliches with these players because we've they've been around for so long where Campbell is the long athlete who hasn't developed. Well, he hasn't. I don't, Smart I don't player too. I think I don't think yeah. we talked about that enough. Exactly. And, you know, he's from, he's from Alabama, so I don't think he's going to get the benefit of the doubt on being the smart player in, in terms of cliches or whatnot but yeah he gets guys where they need to be and you'd like to see him get his hands on the football more um and and he's had trouble with the deep ball at times but yeah I think he's he's got as much uh ceiling as anybody back there um in terms of improving his draft stock in terms of going from a complete unknown essentially to a potential all big 10 maybe not an all big 10 first team player but an honorable mention second team type guy so um you know excited to see what he can do and, and I'm glad somebody picked that out because he's a guy that we've been talking about for a couple of years Wish he had a red shirt, uh, no doubt uh, No doubt about it. He spent some time injured. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the world of Campbell, I know a lot of Penn State staff does as well, so I can't wait to see him in a full-time starting role. And, and obviously it's not a great thing that John Reed got hurt, but for Christian Campbell, it, it, it's his time in the spotlight. It's a big season for him. Yeah, and he brings a different body type there too. Again, it's listed here at 6'1", 194 pounds. You know, you look at the players we've talked about before, Lamont Wade, Grant Haley, you know, even Ezek McPherson, Tariq Castro-Fields is in that bigger mold. But in terms of players you can expect to play right away, uh, he's a little bit different. I think that'll help them because they're going to face just outstanding passing attacks this season relative to how they saw a year ago. Um, so they'll definitely have to put him to good use out there on the outside. The guy that, that is mentioned is Curtis Cawthorn. And, yes. and, and we've gone back and forth. I know you're a big Givens guy, but when you took him in our – Penn State fantasy draft. I was pretty happy because Curtis Cawthorn, <laughs> I think, is going to have a big year. I think he's a guy that can do things against the run. I think he can he can pat he can rush the passer. He was great at the end of the season last year. So once he gets uh, back in the flow, he's added some weight. Um, still looks good. I, I thought so. I think he's going to have a big year. Um, I, I don't know how much he's going to push Givens off the field or what they're going to do on that front seven. But at the same time, he he's a guy that can do a lot of different things, fill a lot of gaps for you. And and to be honest, the way his career started. At Penn State, you got to feel good for him because he, uh, you know, honestly could have been a guy who who floated off into oblivion during the coaching change, and and, right. and really he's come back around. Right, the coach here mentions, you know, he moves well for an inside guy. Well, yeah, he he's only been an inside guy for a couple of years, added right? Forty pounds, who's yeah. added a lot of weight and, and done well there at the three technique spot, and you know we saw what he was able to do uh, when he came off that four game suspension in the beginning of last season and jumped right back into starting lineup, played a, a ton of snaps for Penn State, particularly in mid games, and is a guy who defends the run much better than Givens. Who's still adding weight, uh, but you know, right now there's a reason he's a starting three technique, and I think that comment too speaks to his ceiling. Even as a redshirt senior, who typically are players that have kind of topped out at this level, you know what to expect for them because of that position change, because of the weight that he's added. I think there's more room in that ceiling for him to grow to this season and could have a bigger role. And I think you know whatever flashes he showed a year ago uh, have made people around the Big Ten put him on notice yeah he's an old guy but he's still a young defensive tackle there's still a lot of development to go there and I think that's a big thing I think it speaks a lot to him for making that change in the first place because you were going to look at the depth chart and him last year he could have been a guy who could have factored in a defensive end because you weren't sure what you were going to get from Evan Schwan or mm-hmm. or whatnot and then as a senior it could have been the guy at defensive end well he put on the weight uh, when they needed him to I'm not sure if they thought that they would get this much out of him but yeah they're yeah. pretty happy they have so the first team that will get a look at Curtis Catherine, here's a Richard Sr., Kevin Gibbons, that whole group, of course, is going to be Akron. Season opener on September 2nd. We mentioned at the opening we're going to check in with Penn State's first two opponents being Akron and Pitt. Uh, I wrote a lot about Akron back 
during the dog days of May. A lot uh, about so <laughs> we we broke down each of Penn State's first, uh, six opponents to give you a look before the bye week hits, and then of course come late October. I mean, so much has happened and changed. In my view, it wasn't worth to go on beyond that to the Michigans and uh, and I, and I promise I'll read it at some point heading up to the. Akron. I, I, I don't believe you. <laughs> so You're checking probably, in on Akron, right. the big story for them: uh, quarterback, not a competition, but Thomas Woodson, who played very well for them a year ago, was hurt, not able to honestly throw a football until Pittsburgh June. Kid. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and he's a talented guy, a dual threat. You know, they lost a lot on the outside, but he's someone who could almost carry you if need be. And honestly, they're going to need that because last year is a more wide open passing team. The you know they they succumbed to injuries at quarterback, and in fact had a wide receiver move to quarterback and had to go through. Right now, they're trying to establish more of a running game. I think with Woodson back, regardless of how well that running game goes, you know he's going to be a player you'll hear a lot about from Penn State defenders and coaches in the week leading up as a guy we've got to stop and keep our eyes on because he will make plays by himself. And the offensive line, you know, up front is pretty shoddy. I mentioned, you know, in this breakdown that Penn State's offensive line was bottom 10 in the country in terms of stuff rate, which means runs you either allowed to go for zero yards or negative yards. Well, Akron was one of the few teams even lower than them in that statistic nationally, wow. which means, of course, there are going to be a lot of backfield penetration opportunities for the players we just mentioned, Curtis Cothran, Kevin Givens, etc. So that's an area where I don't think you want to be uh, having a sore spot against Penn State, but there are some weapons there. And Trayvon Chapman is the last name I'm going to leave you with, uh, who has moved out to wide receiver, a former quarterback, great athlete, you know, scored a touchdown in their spring game, saw the most targets. And, and if he and Woodson develop a connection and he proves to be a problem for Haley or Campbell on the outside, I think they're just going to hammer that connection because it's the best one they have offensively. Yeah, no doubt. Not a ton of options for them. And, and I think that that's the thing when you're looking at it from a Penn State perspective, that's going to be one of the games where Penn State can control everything with its, its defensive front four. And when you're replacing two defensive ends, especially guys that played the run fairly well last year, um, that's something that, that that's going to be beneficial for them moving forward, especially going into the pick game. So I, I, I look at Penn State's front seven as, as a group that can c- control that game and you know hand it off to the offense. I think they're going to put up some, some pretty good points. Now they were decent in pass protection, finished 56 nationally and adjusted sack rate. Um, some tight ends have reportedly kind of come out from them and had some very good camps, so there should be some underneath options there for Woodson. But Thomas Woodson, the quarterback, very good player. Trayvon Chapman, the wide receiver to look for. Offensively, obviously the expectation will be here against Akron. Penn State scores between 40 to 50 points. I'm not here to say that you shouldn't expect that. Uh, but a couple of names, again, to watch out for on Akron's defense. Ulysses Gilbert the third. Let me say that one more time. Ulysses Gilbert III. He's a middle linebacker. He's the best player in this Akron defense. He had one of the best stat lines from last season that I've seen of any player in the country, let alone one of the best names. Uh, He's a playmaker, both against the run and the pass. He'll be ID'd as someone that they're going to have to move up to and find to provide Saquon Barkley some room. Uh, on the defensive line, they, they lost their best pass rushers. Two defensive tackles are back, and they've got a litany of transfers in the secondary. So again, in terms of how this defense is constructed, you know, there's they're sore in a lot of spots that you can't afford to be against Penn State. We'll see how the transfers work out. But if there's one player who could have a decent day against his Penn State offense, again, for the third time, Ulysses. Gilbert the third, and I don't care if he can play or not. That name's awesome. <laughs> but no, we saw it last year. Um, Penn State got tested. Brandon Mann got tested off the edge um, against Kent State, and uh, that was a big test for, for an offensive lineman. I think this will be a big test for Connor McGovern playing his first game at center. Uh, they're going to put guys over top of him, I think. And, and if you're going to find the backside linebacker, it's going to be Mr. Ulysses here. So I think it's going to be a good test for them and, and a good opportunity for McGovern to, to sort of get his feet wet as a center. All right. And nationally, they were, you know, about 60th range in terms of 
explosive plays allowed to a facet of Penn State's offense that you know propelled them to where they went a year ago. They might be able to sit back, provided how the defensive line goes, and of course, as we mentioned, uh, Mr. Gilbert. So that's about it for Akron. Pitt, uh, it's a much different, sadder story that I think I'll let you lead out with all these suspensions and injuries happening just a couple hours away. Yeah, we didn't talk about this a couple of weeks ago, but it's just yeah, it's crazy what's going on in Oakland with the, with the suspensions, with the injuries. You're not sure what's going on uh, uh, a couple different spots, but yeah. Not going to have Jordan Whitehead. Not going to have starting middle linebacker Quentin Morginis. Um, both of them suspended three games. Rory Blair was dismissed from the team. His defensive end, who was probably going to be at least in the mix to start. Not sure if he was completely the starter. Of course, going back, Jeremiah Tallini was dismissed in the spring. Uh, just a lot going on. And I, and that's not even mentioning Alex Bookser, who's not suspended for the Penn State game somehow. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at uh, Pitt and and they're in trouble. <laughs> that's, a lot of, that's a lot of talent that's going to be on the sideline. Um, and that's getting, that's not counting Dwayne Hendricks, the transfer from Tennessee, who was hurt. Uh, Georgia Aston, who scored two touchdowns against Penn State. Uh, the cornerback, Motley, all the guys that have been hurt in camp. And, um, you know, of course, uh, they've got open media, so you see a little bit more of that than you do at Penn State. But still, it seems uh, concerning if you're Pitt uh, heading into the season. Right. And, and for those who don't know, Alex Bookser, uh, no, a starting offensive lineman for Pitt, who back in May uh, was faced with a litany of charges, a DUI, hit a couple of cars, was arrested at gunpoint at around 1240 on in the video morning. Too. All on video. So, you know, again, that's where that one-game suspension comes from. You know, say what you will about how that unfolded. I think big picture, you know, as much as that Penn State-Pitt rivalry was reignited a year ago, I, I think it's a very sad situation out there for the Panthers, whether you want to talk about the fans, the players in the team who are surrounded by all this and going about their business and doing the right things. And now, you know, in terms of the season goals, those take a hit. You know, they, they want to compete in the ACC. They beat Penn State a year ago. They beat Clemson on the road. You know, this is a team that a year ago is very different from what you'll see this season, but still one that is proud and right now is off to one of the worst starts in college football and I think you know, in the greater picture, it's it's a sad one. Yeah, we don't know what they're going to have with Max Brown, the transfer from USC, who's right. going to play quarterback. Um, Chris Clark, a transfer from UCLA, a very talented kid, um, but obviously the 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 it's been documented about all the changes that he's had uh, throughout his recruitment and and once he got to UCLA and and things like that. And they and I, I like their stable of running backs. I think Quadriolis yes. is a good back. Darren Hall is a good back. They've always um, got a couple good ones. Yeah, I mean that's Pitt. I mean they run the football very well. Uh, always have. Um, obviously Quadri Henderson is a guy that we talk about with Pitt all the time. I think the key is Brian O'Neill, um, the tackle. He's a pro prospect. He's uh, Troy Reader's former teammate at Salesianum in Delaware, actually. And Penn State really didn't recruit him. Um, but yeah, he's, I think he's a very good offensive tackle. He had shoulder surgery in the spring. Don't know if he'll be back, but uh, you know if he's not there, that's another huge hole for them to fill. Um, they're not especially deep on the offensive line. So so I, you know, obviously I like the matchups if you're Penn State, but yeah, you got to wonder Pitt. I mean, uh, what's going on? What's what's Pat Narduzzi doing down there? That uh, it's just not uh, it's not coming together for them right now. And and a new offense too, there for Max Brown to learn and and all the teammates to get assimilated to with their former offensive coordinator Matt Canada down at LSU. And Canada had a terrific game plan that really sprung Penn State, uh, sprung on Penn State and put them in a big hole last year in Week Two. This year in Week Two seems to be a very different story. That'll be a three thirty kickoff, however, from Beaver Stadium on September 9th. Uh, so wrapping up, mailbag segment that's become uh, a regular segment here on the pod. We've only got two questions this week, but though we'll answer more on the boards as we do every week. Leading off, this one is directed at me, so I will take this on first. Uh, earlier in the summer, you didn't seem bullish on the offensive line quite yet. Do you still feel that way and why? 
My answer is yes, and I think this is more a reaction to the reaction more so than uh, the offensive line. And let me explain that a little bit because I think once you see you know four starters return and influx of new talent, I think there's an assumption that Penn State naturally will make this tremendous leap in 2017 relative to where they were a year ago. Now, injuries played a large factor in how they performed, even with the new offensive line coach, Matt Limegrover, who did a very good job. But I think even if Penn State is to make a significant leap this year, they'll still be in the territory of average, which is fine, given the surrounding talent that you have. But Limegrover himself told me that, really, we are catching up to the all-Big Ten talent at tight end, at wide receiver, at running back, and at quarterback. And we've got a long ways to go. And I don't think that's coach speak for, you know, just trying to downplay expectations and really get them to focus on the day-to-day. I think this is a group that has a lot of young talent that perhaps is a year away from kind of receiving that similar all-Big Ten uh, recognition. And I think you've got veterans in there who certainly can contribute, played a lot of important football a year ago. But to have all those... You know, a confluence of events that would that would make Penn State suddenly, you know, a well above average offensive line. I think that's a leap that's, for right now, too much to expect. We'll see how the first couple of weeks go. And then week four at Iowa, on the road, dealing with that noise. Again, you've got a first-year center in there in Connor McGovern, who I think is going to be excellent. But still, how is that all going to come together? I think they'll be, they'll be average this year nationally when you look at some of their more advanced metrics. And that's fine because... When they were well below average, Saquon Barkley was still ripping off runs for about five and a half yards per clip. Yeah, and I think it's about where the expectations are set. Uh, a good offensive, do you mean a good offensive line for Penn State? Do you mean a good offensive line? Because they're two different right. things based on what we've seen the last couple of years. And, and if this can be a good offensive line for Penn State, that makes it a, an above average line, I would say. Um, you're not going to get back to the 90s when you have those those type of lines that Penn State has. Um, and, and that could come in the future. But yeah, I think the expectation, if you can get to above average, I think you're going to have a great year because you mentioned that talent around them will make them look a lot better. They're going to have some lumps. Uh, you saw it last year. Brendan Mann you know, was not good in the first couple of weeks, a couple of strip sacks, and he turned into one of their better offensive linemen before he got Terrific. hurt. Terrific. Yeah, so I, I, they're going to take some lumps, but I think they're going to be okay in the long run. I think they're going to be an above average offensive line. I like the tools that they have, and I like where they're set to go in 2018, 2019, 2020. Oh, I could be a very, very special group in those years to come. And I Mike Miranda is also on the team, so I don't know if you needed to hear about we that. We almost made an entire pod without a Mike Miranda reference. Who had the tweet of the week, by the way. Sneak peek into what's going to be a new segment in season. Tweet of the week. It was something to the effect of uh, NCAA road to glory, an old you know mode you could play in the old NCAA college football games. Did not prepare me for preseason camp. That is what we call an instant retweet, folks. That's what he got. And uh, I think last time I checked, probably like 200 likes, as you should get. Excellent, excellent tweet. And he's got great tape. I don't know if you heard that or not. No, I have not. Okay, moving on. <laughs> last question here for the mailbag to bring us to a close. On the opposite side of the ball, we've, we've talked about them a little bit already, but what are you hearing about the defensive tackles? Last year, Kevin Givens was the hype flavor du jour, and this year we haven't heard a peep about him. Uh, you should have if you've been listening to this podcast, and me in particular. Or how is Catherine looking from any news source? Also, what about Tyrell Chavis? Has he seemed to progress at all? since last year. So, uh, you know, I could talk about Kevin Givens. I think per snap, he's the most impactful lineman they have on the team, particularly in a pass rushing situation, but he's not in there because Curtis Cothran is the superior overall defensive lineman, another guy who's growing. 
I think this is going to be a strength of the defense and one we haven't talked about. Parker Cothran also fully healthy, something he was not last year. Missed only one game officially, but was not the complete player at the end of the season that he was at the beginning due to set injuries. Yeah, I don't know that there's going to be a first-team All-Big Ten guy out of this group, but yeah. I, I think it's going to be a, a no-name group. And, and we follow the team every minute of every day, so you know, you're know you more familiar with these guys. But I think it's going to be one of those no-name groups that, that is there, is consistent, and is right uh, right among the top groups in the in, in the conference. So um, Parker and Curtis up front, uh, you've got depth in Windsor and Gibbons who can be your splash guy. Chavis has stepped into the one technique and he's been banged up a little bit, but at the same time, uh, he's a, he's a guy that probably could have started for Penn state a couple of years ago. So mm -hmm. when you've got guys like that as their second and third option as a one technique, I think you're doing okay. Um, you know, I, I still like to see the development of guys like Ellison Jordan, Antonio Shelton, and further down to Corey Bolds and, and Fred Hansard. Um, I think Hansard's going to probably end up being one of the better ones uh, out of that whole group. So, uh, I'm excited to see them develop, but as we're talking here and now, I think it's a good group. I think it's going to be a group that uh, you're not going to see a ton of accolades for, but at the same time, I think they're going to make put uh, put guys in position to make the plays. Jason Cabinda and Brandon Smith and Manny Bowen and, and Coa Farmer are going to appreciate these guys. They're going to do their jobs. And Ellison Jordan, you know, he mentioned a couple of times he's impressed in the very brief snippets of practice that we get to see. Looks very good on that knee and a lot of natural leverage there. As a guy who's about six foot six foot one, uh, he's not six punch. one. <laughs> he's <laughs> trying to do the dude a favor. Here. Maybe in his helmet. No, he's he's <laughs> a little guy, but man, he's got he's got a ridiculous motor, some natural leverage. He's just got, he's he's as twitchy as any defensive tackle they've got, and that's saying something considering Kevin Givens is right up there too. Would you believe me if I told you I was 6'1"? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Six foot. <laughs> anyway, I think that'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, big thing for us this week, I think the number four, we, we peaked out at number four podcast, oh, uh, yeah. college football podcast on iTunes. That's because of you guys and your ratings. So please keep them coming in. Keep listening. Uh, tell your Penn State friends about us. Like I said, we're going to go to two weekly coming up in the season. So, you know, you can get your fill afterwards where you can yell at us or whatever on Mondays and then, you know, be our best friends on the way to the game on Friday, uh, you know, so to preview the game. So thank you for all the, the, the responses and everything like that we appreciate it it was it was a shock to us to see us that high yeah with some i think it was really even good... all college sports not just college football all right i well college football is college sports i don't know if you knew that or not yeah. you're a yukon guy so whatever but no i i'm very grateful for the <laughs> for the responses and the reviews and everything and we ask you to con continue to do so and if you remember one thing from this podcast ulysses gilbert the third only took you two takes <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks for joining us <laughs>